Hey everybody, thanks for checking out this week's episode of My First Sketch at MyFirstSketch.com. I'm Josh Hyam. As always, feel free to subscribe to the show on iTunes or on SoundCloud and get it automatically. You can catch the show on the Stitcher app as well. Like the podcast on Facebook at Facebook.com slash MyFirstSketch. Email me at Josh at MyFirstSketch.com and follow me on Twitter at MyFirstSketch. If you haven't seen or heard, submissions are now open for the 2018 Philly Sketch Fest. It's the 10th anniversary of the festival, so we're hoping for a big weekend of fun. Head over to phillysketchfest.com to submit your live act, a video for the film festival, or to register to be a volunteer. Philly Sketch Fest will take place May 31st through June 3rd at three different venues. Philly Sketch Fest is also a proud sponsor of the Bechtel Test Fest, taking place over the weekend of March 2nd through the 4th. I'll have more information and we'll be highlighting some of the performers over the next couple weeks. But today's guest is Drew Clemens, currently a member of Jill Roy and one of the head writers of Philly Comedy Wrestling. His first sketch is called Bad Cowboy. Drew reads the roles of Dutch, Molly, and another townsperson, and I read Tommy the Sheriff, and I give you all the visual information. So let's go to the sketch. Exterior sunset. Western landscape, outskirts of a small town, a small crowd of townsfolk gathered around a cowboy on a horse. In the background, we have a breathtaking view of the prairie and a sunset so beautiful, it looks to have been painted by God himself. The mood is bittersweet. The mood is bittersweet. A small boy breaks the silence. Are you sure you can't stay, Dutch? I'm sorry, Tommy, but I still got some unfinished business to take care of. It's always going to be bad guys who need capturing and good folks like you who need protecting. And as long as that's happening, I've just got to keep riding on. Say it ain't so, Dutch. I'm sorry, Molly, but that's just the way of the world. All I can say is, it's been a pleasure getting to know you folks, and I certainly won't forget you anytime soon. The sheriff emerges from the crowd, walking over to Dutch. Well, Dutch, I can promise you we won't forget you either. My sincerest thanks on behalf of all of us. And best of luck in the future, friend. Dutch knowingly smiles before extending his hand as well. To you as well. I've never been much for goodbyes, so I'll just say, see you around. Dutch spurs his horse into action and rides off as the crowd yells their goodbyes. We watch from behind, picturesque, as Dutch rides into the sunset. A A fittingly heroic image. The crowd watches in admiration for a bit until an adult male speaks. So, um, was it just me, or did anyone else think he was kind of a dick? Oh my god, I was so worried I was the only one. So full of himself, he kept acting like something was going to happen between us. I'm married, for Christ's sake. I have a daughter. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm thankful for his help, I really am. But Jesus, that guy thought he was hot shit. He saw me playing Jackson Street a couple days ago. He came over trying to impress me, talking about how he'd been playing Jackson since he was a a toddler. He even said, slide over, let me show you how it's done. So I did. And guys, he is terrible with Jacks. He kept dropping the ball, fumbling, muttering to himself the whole time. We played five games, and I beat him every time. It was really embarrassing for both of us. It was the same thing with poker. Me and Gary probably won 300 bucks from him while he was here. One time, he even folded his hand after everyone else checked. Not to mention, those outlaws attacking us were Dutch's old enemies. If it weren't for him, they never would have bothered us in the first place. I mean, thanks for the assistance and all, but I wish he hadn't come in the first place to jag off. Now a quarter mile away, Dutch abruptly turns around. Is he turning around? Oh, Jesus. Dutch begins riding back to the crowd. Sure looks like it, Tommy. The crowd waits confused until Dutch arrives, looking slightly embarrassed. So, uh, it's, um, it actually looks like it's about to get pretty dark. Uh, probably only got about 10 to 15 more minutes of light max. Uh, anyone mind if I stay the night and we can say goodbye tomorrow morning? There's a palpable awkwardness in the crowd. Everyone is embarrassed. Looking around with blank faces. 
Some faces show poorly concealed frustration. Uh, yeah, of course, Dutch. Got a room for you at the saloon and everything. Let's go get you set up. The crowd begins uncomfortably making its way towards the saloon. The, sing- the silence lingers until Dutch feels the need to speak up. Yeah, uh, sorry. Sorry about that, guys. You know, I've always wanted to ride into the sunset like that, but it wasn't until I was actually out there that I thought about how little sense it actually makes. His remark is met with silence. I, I mean, I probably would have made camp with inside a town. <laughs> now, why would I want to sleep on that cold, hard ground when I could have a bed and a shower and a hot breakfast in the morning? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, that just wouldn't have made much sense, would it? The procession continues towards the saloon in silence. The end. Hey, Drew. Hello. Uh, So tell me where this idea came from. Oh, man. So uh, this this sketch entitled Bad Cowboy um, was inspired by the trope of riding into the sunset um, because it doesn't make sense. Yeah, I guess I've never thought about that before, about yeah, riding into the sunset it's actually about to means get dark. riding into the darkness. Like, exactly. I'm, I'm assuming, how far are you going to get? Yeah riding, yeah, riding that night you're, yeah, doesn't make I mean, sense at all. When people go on trips, they don't, they don't leave at sunset. That's, and, well, and at the same thing. time, we're, we're not on horses, too. So, like, doubly, doubly stupid, then. Yeah. Doubly stupid. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was inspired by that. And, uh, this was, yeah, my first attempt at writing a sketch and, uh, yeah. What spurred you to write this? Oh, um, at the time I was trying to get into sketch and improv and, uh, was considering making some, uh, videos with friends, uh, uh, filming some videos. Uh, we filmed about two before we quit. (laughs) <laughs> um as these things tend to go are those know? out there like are these videos like oh i think one made it to youtube okay. uh one got about 80 percent edited but never finished uh that's awful yeah i that's i don't know i think you gotta yeah so so you and a group of friends yes decide hey let's do videos yes you didn't do like what spurred that like uh i think uh um, how, how do you get to the point where like Hey guys, let's let's be creative and make videos. Yeah, I think uh well, let's see. This was around like 2013, 2014. Uh I mean, we were all probably about a year out of college at that point, just still hanging around our hometown and Yeah, I mean, there's only so much to do out in, you know, Wayne, <laughs> KOP, Berwyn area. Sure. And uh yeah, I think we just felt like we were wasting our youth and wanted to <laughs> Wanted to do something, but not um, that bad, I guess, because we didn't actually. And you would, so, so how do you get to the point of finding out about other comedy things happening in the city or, because oh, you, okay. you're doing this without classes, you're, you haven't done a class or anything I think before. at that point I had, I was taking 101 at that okay, point. Okay, so you, okay, so yeah. you had already found out about Fit. And, and I found out about that through okay. Hunter Steffes of Big Baby. Okay, because um, uh, you mentioned before we were recording Childhood yes. Friends. Childhood uh, childhood Best Friend. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Uh, okay, so let's go all the way back to the beginning then since Hell we brought yeah. Childhood. Cool. What were you into as a kid? What made oh, you laugh? Oh, man. Ooh. Or growing up. Comedically? You know, yeah, kid. What was I into? Yeah. Um, Teenage years. I don't know that I ever really started, like, paying attention to like comedy as an art form until college or so. Okay. Um, but, uh, I mean, there were definitely things that amused me. Like, uh, you want to go back to like high school sure. or I uh, loved, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen loved Borat. I, yeah. I, I, it's a point of pride that I was one of the first people at my school to discover Borat the, uh, like, before the movie. So, so you, so the Ali G show. Oh yeah. And, okay. Oh yeah. And, uh, a lot of stuff that, was funny then, but I would probably find problematic. Now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I, I I had thought about that recently too. Like, how mm-hmm. much stuff do we like? I'm a big fan of like old game shows. Oh yeah, like, like Match Game is I used to one watch. of my favorite things. And I I'll, yeah. like if it's on TV, it's probably on my TV. Like 
wonderful. Um, yeah, I used but to like, watch so many. Reruns. So many of their jokes are just like, uh, you can't say that now. Like, uh, yeah, boy, time like, times have changed. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, like even thinking back like ten years, I think Borat was like the, at least mm-hmm. the movie. It was like maybe oh six oh seven ish, somewhere in there. I think it was two thousand seven. Yeah. Like, how would going back and revisiting Borat now? Yeah, you wonder. Yeah. You wonder. And it's like the same thing, like, I would, you know, like most, you know, people my age who didn't have much self awareness and anger that they weren't really paying attention to. I was a big South Park fan. And, like, I don't know. Now I find it very frustrating to watch South Park. I haven't seen any of the the recent episodes. And I've gone back to a couple, like, Mm -hmm. I've gone back to a few of the ones I enjoy. And the ones I enjoy haven't been as problematic as i'm sure certain other ones like oh, that's but, fair <laughs> but yeah i can i there's definitely gonna be times where like yeah for sure um all right so you mentioned borat what else mm-hmm. Ooh, okay let's see um i always loved the movie the sandlot that was probably like the one movie from my childhood that i would still watch and like still okay. enjoy um but then oh my god while we're on the theme of things that are now problematic <laughs> you know i um I always got such a kick out of that scene where Squints coerces a lifeguard into yep. kissing him on the mouth. Yep. Uh, which is, uh, yeah. I mean, like, I don't know, man. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess Sandlot came out when I was probably like, that was 93. I remember there. And remember it was that year. Yeah. Well, I don't remember right. the year. Well, <laughs> <laughs> and like, I definitely remember like, yeah, there was that kind of like, yeah, Squints go Squints. Cute and girl. It was like, but now like in my, 30s i'm like well squints you're dick yeah like, squints way to, dude way to be a like, jerk kid squints just like just start up a conversation you know just like just yeah no need for coercion don't just leer her leer at her all um, summer like and i think um i i mean i did go to film school for critical studies i was always really into like older movies so i wonder if part of it was just like the aesthetics of that yeah. scene you know because it's like shot very well and then like with the kiss happens and this magic moment comes mm-hmm. on and it's like I mean, it's like, it's good filmmaking, but it's, yeah, <laughs> it's maybe. Still, it's still a wrong message. Yeah, maybe the form is uh, holds up better than the content. Yeah. Uh. Oh, you mentioned it wasn't until college that you thought about comedy as an art form. Yeah. So what, what triggered that? Oh, man. Um, starting to see the possibilities of stand-up and, like, what it could mean. Mm-hmm. I mean, stand-up's not something I've ever tried, but it definitely was, like, sort of a gateway mm-hmm. into, like, comedy with intention and comedy like with which, meaning uh john mulaney for sure mm. uh man just so in control which i really appreciate and then like um i mean uh I'm, I'm sure like many other people in our community uh college was sort of a time when like mental health issues started cropping up mm-hmm. and like i started noticing them mm-hmm. whereas before i was probably just powering through yeah you know um but uh, Maria Bamford was really eye-opening because I, I really felt like she she approached stand-up in like a therapeutic way that yeah. a lot of people didn't. And um, Rory Scovel was another because I just felt like he was always okay. trying to do something different. I felt like he never was just trying to go out there and like, you know, set up punchline, set yeah. up punchline. Yeah, I'm, I like, I know Rory Sco- Scovel, like, I don't think I saw... Or listen to his like his first mm-hmm. record, but he did that uh, a recent thing on Netflix. Uh huh. Like I think it's like Rory Scoville tries stand up for the first time. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's still weird. Like he's still he's still very doing weird. what he wants, um, like doing it that way. I have a, a funny anecdote I heard about his first album that I love so much. Mm-hmm. Is, um, whereas you know most stand ups will tour until they feel the special is ready, right, and then record it. Mm-hmm. Um, he recorded it halfway through the tour. Okay. And uh, so the product on the album is not refined as you'd expect. It's very like free flowing and sort Hmm. of rambling at times. And his like his line of thought was, well, now people can come see the finished product when they come on tour. And uh, I mean, that's interesting. Yeah. You can debate whether that's like the right way to do it or not. But I just I just love people who try things differently. Yeah, that is definitely the exact opposite of 
the stand-up recording mentality like yeah or the formula that like sort of the guy the people that will say expected. once it's recorded i can no longer do this on stage I, you know gotta yeah. start over gotta like start over like that yeah that's what Mulaney does and just like true like really treating like albums the way mm. that you know great bands yeah. or artists would treat an album whereas like, like this is canon you know like i can name certain stand-ups that i i've seen live mm-hmm and they're doing stuff that I've heard recorded. Yeah. And it bums me out that they're like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like I understand that the Roy Sokovil, like yeah. see how I've gotten polished versus, Oh, I've been doing these same jokes for 25, like 20 years. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Oh it's yeah. A, I think that's fair. It's yeah. a weird dichotomy, especially like when you think about it in sketch terms, like mm-hmm. how many times can you do a sketch before it's lost its power? Like how many times can you do it yeah. for the same audience? Yeah. You know, that kind of stuff. Absolutely. All right, so uh, Improv 101, childhood best friend hunting Steph, uh, Steph, Steffes? Steffes. Okay, yes. I can't, I can never remember if there's an N in there or not. <laughs> uh, uh, introduces you to Improv 101 or yeah. the idea that it's happening. So, yeah. All, uh, all the credit goes to him. Okay. The fact that I'm even here right now. He bugged me for the better part of a year. No, so he actually like actively prodded yeah, you. Yeah, he was it. like, dude, do this. Okay. You'll have fun. Like, the unspoken part being like you're really fucking depressed and you're not doing anything right now. So let's like come on, get man. You out of let's it. Okay. Meet some people. Let's yeah. Um, All right. So improv one hundred and one. Who was the instructor? Kevin Pettit. Did you you did two. Two hundred one. Two hundred one. Uh, two hundred one was Mike Marbach. Mike Marbach. Okay. Three hundred one. Um, Mike. Mike Marbach. Yeah. Four. Mike. So, okay. So <laughs> yeah. Uh. A couple, couple months ago, I talked to my friend Ian, and he did classes up at UCB, mm-hmm. and he did most of his classes with Shannon O'Neill, to oh, the wow. point that cool. Shannon O'Neill yelled at him to take a class with someone else. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, so that like he wasn't getting in her headspace, like, uh, you know, yeah. variety. So yeah. how do you feel about doing three levels of the <laughs> curriculum with the same so, instructor. I mean it was um it was a result of scheduling. It wasn't something I had set out to do. Okay. Um it was just like, oh, this is the one that fits my schedule and okay. it happens to be taught by Mike. So you weren't going um, like I like Marbach, I'm gonna keep going. Yeah, I mean I don't want to say I don't like right. Mike. Well, but you know, it, I like I do like Mike. it is a different thing between <laughs> like, oh the class falls on Tuesday. Absolutely. Okay. That's true. And um I mean, uh, whereas Shannon O'Neill I can definitely see being the type of person <laughs> to yell. I, Mike would never do something like that, but when he saw that I had signed up for 401, he said something. Like he like, might be like, what? "He's like, hey, oh, you're here by the like- way, I uh, <laughs> saw that. Uh, yeah, you're gonna have your third level with me in a row." <laughs> and uh, maybe the unspoken <laughs> part of that was, "What's up, dude? <laughs> Why are you doing that?" <laughs> uh, um, but no, did, I, I found that really helpful. Honestly, did you do conservatory from him? I did. I did a conservatory with Caitlin Weigel. What was um, that one? The museum. Oh, the one that just recently, or uh, I relatively believe it, recently. Yeah, I believe it was in May or June. Oh, not as recent as I thought. Uh, but still, like the last year. That's <laughs> recent. You know, it's all it's all been a blur, I'm, right? Uh, tell me about um, the museum. The museum was a blast. The museum it. was. Uh, we would we would get really dressed up in uh, suits and fancy dresses. We would take an object from the audience. Um, we would solicit an object from them, and okay. we would have to create a history for that object and then sort of do a number of scenes okay inspired um by the history we had created so you're just stealing something like someone's just giving something out of their oh, purse man. And yeah like... it was like car keys the first week and we were like jesus i hope it's not car keys the next three weeks <laughs> uh but we did yeah we got some like uh interesting stuff we got like it was like a mosquito repellent called mosquito no one week okay and it was like it was just yeah Hmm. It was great that it wasn't keys all the time. It's an interesting form. I like that. Yeah. I tend to think that the conservatory, like the conservatory classes mm-hmm. that have a theme, that have a, a premise like that, mm-hmm. make me feel better about improv than I normally do. Oh. Okay. I'm not a bigger, I'm not a huge improv person. Okay, fair enough. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. So you're in the midst of 101 when you start writing. Yeah, I think that's how to, it to film with your out. friends. Yeah, and I think that coincided with the break I took, if I'm remembering it right. Oh, that it, you you broke between like one between and, 101 and 201 for financial reasons. Mm-hmm. I I just didn't have the money for yeah. 201, so I yeah I kind of just sat around for a year. Were you still like seeing things? Were you still? I was coming still coming out? to shows. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, I was still coming to shows occasionally, but uh, mostly I was just working at a Bed Bath and Beyond. Right, so, right yeah. on. Yeah, yeah, retail. Twenty thirteen. Yeah. No, that was twenty. <laughs> that was twenty fourteen. Okay, twenty fourteen was my lost year. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, so now, like the big thing I knew you from mm-hmm. before we start talking uh, was brought to you by. Brought to you by. So where does that start? Where does that come from? Brought to you by. I um I was very lucky and blessed to be added to the cast at the time. I was in three hundred one. Um, I I knew uh, Pete Zegers from high school and I uh, knew Casey Hogan decently well and uh wow. they were just they were just looking for more people additional help mm-hmm. and uh I've, I've you know I've never been uh I've never been shameless or I've always been shameless I don't know if I'm phrasing this right but I you know I said hey if you're, if you're looking for help I'm available well you know it definitely uh speaks to the idea of it's who you know that's so as true. much as yeah anything yeah, yeah, like yeah. and i don't mean that as a, you know in the bad sense because i mean you know, you know for better or for worse you don't want to yeah. be like nepotism favoritism or anything but mm-hmm. like hey your friends are doing something yeah do yeah. some of your friends no i mean i mean it definitely like knowing people who were already established worked to my benefit mm-hmm. absolutely yeah so it's yeah that's fair and uh-huh. i mean i felt guilty about that for the longest time <laughs> like when you see yeah when you see all the people that are just hustling non-stop to just like get that opportunity and then yeah um after all right brought to you by what else is Mm -hmm. coming up what's in the the pipeline for you so brought to you by ended uh that ended in december 2016 um since then i i did a i did a game show at fit uh with my friend sheree called grown-ups make friends but that that ended recently what Um, was that about tell me about grown-ups make friends it was uh you know um it's a shame because I really think we were on to something there. Yeah. And um, I mean, you know, it's just like certain days of the week and time slots are just tough yeah. to get people. Can, but I really felt like we had a good formula. We would have groups of people on that knew each other and we would have them all in character and okay. they would uh, play like a series of games to sort of test their friendship compatibility as characters. As, okay. And then at the end of the night, uh, someone would win and like, that would they would be the champion of okay. the show and what and that was generally like Thursday like that was Thursdays at seven thirty and yeah, uh, briefly Wednesdays at ten yeah Thursday yeah. at seven thirty is a is a death slot and has been it's yeah I I, forever, I don't know I how to fix it you know I don't I don't either yeah I don't want to like blame anyone because that's just how it is but um that Thursday seven but man seven thirty is know? rough yeah I would be open to like maybe retooling it yeah. and bring it back um. Also, since then, uh, let's see, uh, you know, a couple indie teams and projects, as always. Like what? Like um, I was on a team called Zoo Balloon, um, okay. but I had I had to leave when I uh, made a house team, mm-hmm. um, and you know, I'm not complaining about that. Obviously, <laughs> which house team um, is this? Jill Roy. Okay. come check us out Wednesdays at nine through the end of February. Yeah, yeah. Just through the end of that, like... Yeah, uh, so the new, sort of the new system at the theater is Wednesday teams are going to get six-month runs okay. because I think they just want to keep a nice rotation going. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so currently on Jill Roy, uh, but that will end in February. Uh, also a member of CORE on Sunday nights. Okay. And, uh, yeah, we got the... Um, I got PCW coming up. All so. right, let's, let's break into PCW. Woo-woo! Because uh, people that have listened to this know my... My history with uh, comedy wrestling, wonderful. Uh, wonderful. Back in the uh, fringe years, like mm-hmm. was it 2012 Fringe Festival? We did Pro Mania. Mm-hmm. Uh, so tell me about your approach to PCW, the Philly comedy wrestling. Oh uh, well, um, or let's let's start with how it started, with how the idea comes back and uh, the I- how you get involved. Okay, so I guess the idea would have came from discussions with Joe Tuzzi, um, you know, because we both we both love mm-hmm. wrestling, um, and uh, you know, Joe was one of the people who quickly became like one of my good friends at the theater because like everyone who knows him knows he's the nicest guy yeah, in the he's world. A good dude. He's just a he's just an A plus human, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, props to Joe, um, but uh, you know, so I wanted to work with Joe, um, and uh, the funny thing was. We pitched it right around the time that they were casting, like Jill Roy and Fan Club, mm-hmm. um, 
I, uh, I, you know, I've, I've been through the callback audition process before. Mm-hmm. So I sort of was generally aware of the timeline of when like the emails go out to the people who get them and then the people who don't get them. And uh, we were waiting. We were waiting to hear back. And it felt like it was taking long. And I was, you know, basically in my head, I was like, Jesus Christ, not again. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Seriously? How many times did you audition without getting something? Like- uh, okay, so I, I can't complain too much because I, I made a team on my third time. Okay. Um, but it was tough because my second time I got one spot away from a team that happened to be coached by my childhood best friend. Okay. And that was personally devastating. I know he didn't mean it to be but right that's you know team dynamic it. yeah that doesn't know not necessarily in the um, reflection on you so i really yeah so i really had a chip on my shoulder after that for okay. like a year and i i tried to practice at least three times a week and uh wow. just really yeah no i really had a chip <laughs> on my shoulder it's still there probably um but uh yeah so we um you know i was Basically, I'd spent a whole year just trying to get as good at improv as I could. Mm. Um, and then, uh, yeah, the Jill Roy round came up. Um, and uh, there was a point I was convinced that uh, I wasn't going to get it again. And uh, I talked to Joe and I said, Joe, I, I, I don't think I'm going to have anything going on in a couple months. Do you want to just pitch the wrestling show with oh, yeah. me? And then we both ended up being cast on the same team. Oh, so that was, yeah. That was partially nice, helpful. Like Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you guys pitch... Uh, PCW. Mm-hmm. Uh, and okay, so let's talk about your approach because um, there's a lot of comedy in wrestling, and I think comedy could learn from wrestling because there's certain things about mm-hmm. com- about wrestling that I think apply. Uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of to the world over. comedy, but yeah. comedy about wrestling, yeah, can be difficult yeah and i think we're still figuring that out Mm -hmm. um i i mean i guess i don't want to reveal too much of the plot okay (laughs) Uh, you know yeah we we don't have to talk about plot in case people do want to we can talk about check it out but um i mean we we just sort of we sort of have this idea to recreate like a you know like a a pretty i guess well-worn formula for Mm. wrestling storytelling like the the sort of storyline you generally yeah. see among people um and hope that a lot of the comedy just comes from how unfit we are to do it but still playing it straight as if okay we are so the yeah so the 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 wrestling storylines that you have conceived aren't necessarily the comedy like yeah i wouldn't say they're you're, groundbreaking you're not doing the but i'm like you're not doing yeah. um you know really absurd storyline like no i mean we we're going to have um we're going to have like a couple like uh comedy matches mm-hmm. in between and uh hopefully some comedy spots and our our main events looking to be pretty large and complicated <laughs> at this point it's gonna be like a six on six elimination match oh goodness um i don't even know how we're all gonna fit on the second stage at the same time but well you know we'll get there we'll figure <laughs> it out um but yeah yeah i wouldn't um yeah i think we're still trying to figure out the right balance mm. of like comedy and wrestling and also like how do you make a show that's funny to wrestling fans, but still accessible to non wrestling. And that's the other thing is that like, uh, I forget who it was, but like, like you can, the idea of laughing at wrestling can, isn't always welcome because so many wrestling fans take it seriously. Like, take it so seriously that like, Mm -hmm. Oh, you're mocking something that like, yeah. Uh, and we all have our trash, you know? Yeah. That's like, what that's what gets me. It's like we all have <laughs> terrible stuff that we like, so just let me like my terrible stuff. And I think know? and I think now if you if people are know what's going on in wrestling, mm-hmm. there is a huge uh push for comedy in wrestling mm-hmm. being accepted. Like I'm I, yeah. are you familiar with like the Joey Ryan's and the Colt oh, Cabanas? Yeah. Joey like, Ryan for sure, yeah. Where Joey Ryan mm-hmm. went uh, is a independent wrestler you know not signed by wwe or any of the big companies he went to japan and created this move where a character a japanese character uh who is a a, 
he plays a homosexual wrestler for the most part. Mm-hmm. So this guy grabs Joey Ryan's junk mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. strength of Joey Ryan's junk yes. is able to flip this guy <laughs> over. It's and Joey dumb. Ryan has made yeah. himself more popular. Like that video went viral. Yeah. We can like, I'll put it up on the, the Tumblr. Like, mm-hmm. But he's been doing this for the last two years. Yeah, he's really, uh, pretty much. He's really been able to make something out of it. Of just like really raise his profile. One weird, yeah, nonsensical. I mean, move. Yeah, I guess I'm of. I guess I'm of a couple minds about it because it is very <laughs> like it is very juvenile, yeah. obviously. But like, God, I mean, you, in wrestling, you just gotta find something that works and just like mm. beat that dead horse, you know, until <laughs> there's nothing left. Because there, I mean, and we do live in a world where. Uh, you know, he's not on T. You know, Jerry Ryan's not on TV every yeah. week, doing mm-hmm. this every week. Yes, but yeah. he is going to little towns every week, mm-hmm. and this whole new audience is seeing it for the yeah. first time. Like, so I guess there's a balance between, I don't know, like and I mean, I, I, I the do regular fan, yeah, like because of the absurdity of it. I found it funny yeah. the first time. I'm like, <laughs> after a while, I'm tired of it. Okay. Uh, or like he he's done it basically like every match. Like, yeah, like yeah. bring that out every once in a while or. Mm-hmm. Yeah, have that uh, be a super finisher. Like my my favorite is Cole Cabana, like his mm-hmm. his fan, uh, comedy or Chuck Taylor. Oh yeah, and Jakar. Oh, yeah. Like okay, his the the absurd group that he had created around him. Where mm-hmm. uh, in Chikara, he's got a group called uh, the Gentleman's Club, <laughs> where it's him, mm-hmm. Drew Gulak, who is a college collegiate wrestler yeah who's now in wwe doing great work uh orange cassidy who i cannot describe him like he is like slacker to the max uh-huh doesn't run doesn't like the laziest wrestler ever all right and then a swamp monster <laughs> okay you, have you I, never st- well chikara i'm not as familiar okay. with unfortunately uh, and a guy who's just in a ghillie yeah. suit <laughs> as a swamp monster who also happens to be gay okay that was revealed a couple years ago the uh, character or swamp monster yeah oh okay the character swamp monster <laughs> is gay because i'm progressive right? i'm trying to remember which wrestler he was gay for like okay because it was uh, geared to one specific mm-hmm. person uh but you have to like google out some of that stuff yeah, like some of their so. shenanigans are great <laughs> um but okay so comedy and wrestling yeah or comedy about wrestling mm-hmm there's a lot of things in wrestling that you can make fun of. There are tropes. There are yeah. patterns. Absolutely. This, like wrestlers are doing the same shtick that they've been doing for 30, 40, 50 years. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Uh, I need quiet from the audience. Like, you know, the bad guy, if you guys don't shut up, I'll leave. Ah! Like, and, and it's old hacky stuff, mm-hmm. but the crowd still eat it up and still do it. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, so you are doing physicality like there yeah, are going to be some kind of we will have a couple of... matches um yeah a couple uh and a couple of those yeah like we have four matches on the card okay three of which are going to be played for maximum comedic value and then the fourth one is where we're going to try to like find that middle ground and okay. really like tell a story do you um, guys have any involvement with any local cuz I, I know joe has done done stuff mm-hmm. with the Chikara group. No, we we haven't gotten Chikara involved. I I want to say someone reached out to him about helping, mm-hmm. but uh, God, it's just been like so much going on. Yeah. I don't think um, Bob McQuaid's helping us out. Bob McQuaid, who wrestles I, as Bobby Banks. Okay, I, yeah, um, I remember seeing him. Yeah, he's gonna be the ref um, to make sure we don't hurt each other <laughs> too bad. Uh, but um, yeah, I'd say Bob is our sort of closest. He's involvement. the consultant. He's the yeah, yeah, our real uh, technical yeah. advisor. Um, I mean, we if it goes well, we do have plans to like bring it back in a couple months. Sure. And we have some people in mind. Um, a lot of people we just couldn't get involved this time for scheduling reasons yeah. or whatever. Yeah, um, it's a. I yeah. mean, Philadelphia I like, is a. I want to put anyone on the spot and like <laughs> say like, yeah, I'm promising that they'll be there. You know. <laughs> well, that's three three months from now. So yeah, you're trying to work on it. Yeah, there. still. I'm, um. So the sh- the show's going to be four matches. Mm-hmm. F- three of them are gonna are strictly comedy. Like yes, they'll be okay. fairly short. Um, just 
trying to make people laugh. What kind of characters are people coming up with? Okay, the oh, writing process. I'm very excited. Let's talk about the writing process yeah. of it. Like, is it like you and Joe are listed as head writers? Mm-hmm. I think there's like four or five others, maybe six or seven. Like, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm we've had, yeah, we've had page, about six or seven other um, people helping is with it the writing. The you know the table of you pitching things are people coming with their own character and their own ideas. Our, uh, our writing sessions have been very very loose um most of the most of the productive work on this show has been done when we're by ourselves working on it and writing because when we get together uh we get very unproductive um yeah yeah uh just uh sort of have a bunch of people over watch raw (laughs) end up just like ordering food and talking the whole time and um they're a lot of fun but um yeah that's but it's not necessarily helpful for a show being written in yeah a couple of weeks so the writing process has been the actual writing process has been more sort of just individually mm-hmm. and then uh coming together and discussing how to bring it into fruition i guess uh i totally glossed over this earlier about uh center live like i talked to everyone about center live and the mm-hmm. juggernaut that it is do you have a favorite cast member from Saturday Night Live, yeah, history. Ooh. Oh, the God! I currently I really enjoy Kyle Mooney's sensibility. Really, just, I really do. Yeah, mm. I think it's just. I don't know. I well, I guess philosophically, like, I don't look to comedy to be just to just make me laugh. I okay. like when comedy makes me feel other things as well, and I I think so much of it is just about provoking some sort of reaction from people okay. um, some sort of emotional reaction um yeah i just i always found him really interesting even the sketches he did before he was on the show like the good neighbor stuff mm. and i think the stuff he did with like nick rutherford like just in his apartment um yeah. he always seems to be playing with the conventions of like what you'd expect yeah there, i mean there's a lot of those sketches the videos yeah. that they've done that are um I guess they are playing on the the tropes and cliches of like sitcoms. Yeah, yeah. Oh, those at least weird, there's a, a bunch of those. Where like, there's a couple of those real weird. Like, yeah, like sitcom nineties. Um, where it sort of feels pastiches. like Adult Soup, uh, uh, Adult Swimish. Yeah, just where it doesn't fit on Saturday Night Live, or at least it's not the same thing that Saturday Night Live has ever done. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's like Family Matters through the eyes of Tim and Eric, or something. Yeah, like that. I'm not a big um, fan of Tim and Eric either. So. That's, that's fair. I uh, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. I have, I generally like them, but I think I have mixed feelings. Um, yeah, but I, I just like like I remember this one sketch where he's like he's crying in his apartment because he he didn't get home in time to record his favorite show MTV, and uh, Nick Rutherford is trying to explain to him that no MTV is a channel and you can you can turn it on and it's going to be on. And he's just dismissing him. And he's like, no, no, David, I'm, I'm and not having good neighbor era. Like, yeah. This, okay. I think Beck wasn't involved with this particular sketch, but just stuff like this was so mm. interesting to me. And then like he would break and he just kept it in. Yeah. He kept it in the video. And I was just, it was all this stuff that was just like, Oh, you don't have to do it the way everyone else is. Doing yeah. You don't it. have to be clean about it. You don't um, have to, so I do, yeah, I do really love Kyle Mooney. Um, trying to think if there's like someone who I really gravitated towards, like growing up on SNL, that like really. Hmm. Oh, this you know this is so weird. I when I was a kid, I loved Dennis Miller Weekend Update. Any reruns of Dennis Miller era Weekend Update, I just thought his energy was so different. And like weirdly, like aggressive and smug and De- yeah, definitely. Um, he was just so because I'm trying to think. You're a couple years younger than I am. Yeah, and yeah, he wasn't about, my time. He definitely wasn't your time. Like, yeah, you were barely born when he was on the show. Like, yeah, I yeah feel. no, I was born in '89. Yeah, so, so yeah, he was halfway through. Yeah, his run. Um. So what is it about? Like, okay, so looking back mm-hmm. at jokes that were written 15 or so years ago yeah were you did you understand like the historical oh god, no. nature of the joke oh god no so yeah, it was all just even, his like delivery it was it was like the that, character of him that extreme confidence was okay. something that like 
stood out to me. And I, I mean, I have to, I mean, this probably goes without saying. I can't stand Dennis Miller now. That was the next thing you I know, was going to bring was you're watching this version of a yeah. person who has transformed. Really has. Like, yeah, has really just from then crossed to, like, to the other side. <laughs> so were you aware of that trans? Like, were you aware of oh, man, Dennis I, Miller? I was, and I was in denial about it. And in fact, as what a kid, became of Dennis Miller as a kid? Yes, and I was in denial. I remember uh, this was like my consciousness of Dennis Miller began around the time that he was like on Monday Night Football sure. for a couple weeks, and um, God, when he had like he had a show, I think it was on CNBC, where he was trying to like recreate the magic of Weekend Update, and I just mm. I watched it wanting to like it. Because I was like, oh, this is that guy I love. And just, God, it was, yeah, it was just, it, it was hateful. Oh, this you is know? that guy that I love from those weird videos from 15 years ago. Yeah. That I don't understand what's going on. But he's just so compelling. And, yeah. like, that's really all it is. And then, like. That's so weird. The comedy was just so hateful and just, like. Because I, I. I mean, I grew up very liberal. Um, mm. And, like, still am. So, yeah. I, I always, I wonder about that now. Like. I mean, we talk about the heroes that have died, mm-hmm. or their their heroic status have died because of their actions. Yes, yeah. Uh, you know, we can the curse words that have become CK Cosby. Mm-hmm. You know, like absolutely. Uh, and I can't like I was uh, the weird story that makes that I hope will make sense as I ex- explain it. Mm-hmm. My computer crashed a couple of weeks ago, so I was backing everything up and all mm-hmm. like, or I was you know restoring from the backups. And like my Cosby records, like oh, okay. noticeably showed up in the transfer. Okay. I'm just like, yeah. It's like, do I? Oh, do uh, I? Do I continue? Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a. I have those. Yeah. And I can't listen to those anymore. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's fair. That's rough. That sucks. Yeah. I. But like even. Like, now granted, Dennis Miller might not be an abuser a, a monster in that yeah, way as far as we know yeah. but he is kind of a jerk kind of a tool yeah he's, uh, yeah, he's making trying to make life more difficult or, for a lot of people like just, smug. at what point when the, smug. a comedian's ideology changes mm-hmm. is he no longer like a representative of what you liked in the past yeah i like can yeah, you that's watch interesting. like can you watch a Victoria Jackson video video from Saturday Night Live without thinking mm-hmm. oh this this woman's crazy now like oh this woman, that's I, a good point yeah yeah because like, yeah, I don't even like think about that with Victoria Jackson but mm-hmm. like she is kind of she's on that list politically now politically very similar to Dennis Miller <laughs> um yeah I don't know I don't know I think. Because, like, I, I, there's a weird part of me that still really enjoys Dennis Miller up Yeah, you like, know? I'm, I'm just, like, really intrigued by this overlap of watching him in the past mm-hmm. and knowing who he is yeah. growing into at the same time. Like, it's yeah. a really weird dichotomy to me that I'm, I'm it was odd. I'm finding it was really odd interesting. Experience. I think that's when I, when I learned to start compartmentalizing. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Oh, Dennis Miller before 91's okay. <laughs> And you know Tiger Woods pre uh, pre two thousand seven love Tiger Woods, uh, no <laughs> stuff like that though you know. Uh, uh, what's something that you've learned from comedy that you would pass on to someone that's getting started? Oh man, um, doesn't matter how good you think you are, be humble. Humble? Yeah, be humble. I don't think be humble for your own sake. I don't, um, think, I don't think like. That might be like the deepest, most like. It's the, thing. the deepest part of like advice I've gotten so far from people who have asked. Yeah, I mean, if I if I could go back in time to the start of 2015 in a little time machine and talk to myself, yeah, I'd slap myself in the face and I would say, "Hey, like, listen the fuck up." Were you a this jerk? Is, I wouldn't. I don't know. You'd have to ask other people. <laughs> um, no, but I. But looking back on myself, I'm definitely like not proud of like the attitude i had where okay. i just thought like um i i don't want to blow anyone's spot up but uh when i was like starting to get in mm. um and like uh you know hunter wasn't the only person who tried to like bring me in there were like other people and uh 
at one point someone said to me like i think you should do this because i think you can stand up to anyone else in this city and i wish i had never been told that because that really (laughs) skewed my perspective i I came in i was like oh i'll just take the classes it'll be so easy and it's just like (laughs) i don't know so i i think hearing that before starting really tainted my attitude Mm -hmm. in a way that i'm now very ashamed of and just like i mean you just you see you see so many people that are as you keep doing this you see so many people that are so extremely talented and so humble and Mm -hmm. just like really admire as people and yeah yeah there's no reason we can't all be like that (laughs) Or really should, like, there's no reason we shouldn't be like that. I, I sure. really feel that very uh, much now. Yeah. Uh, so you have PCW this week, next mm-hmm. week, whenever I put this up. Yeah. Uh, Killed Jillroy. Jillroy? Because I'm getting it confused with Killroy, Kill Jill. Oh, Jill-like, yeah. Kill, yeah. Like, like four Kill different Roy things that inspired it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Jillroy. Jillroy. Dies. End of February. February. What's next after that? Uh, well, um, definitely going to keep improvising and auditioning. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, it's improv is something I've grown to rely on. Um, that's if I go too long without doing it, I start feeling like the itch. Okay. Like even a couple days and I'm just like, I need a couple to. days. Yeah. Wow. I practice a lot. Wow. <laughs> I, I still have that chip on my shoulder. Um, I will ho- hopefully PCW goes well and we can turn it into the type of thing we do a couple times a year um we'll i'll do core as long as they let me do that mm-hmm. uh, I, I love doing that i love man i, I love uh the, i'm not sure if you like know core the, is it's um it's, i know there's some kind of student involvement yeah there's a rotating cast and then uh there's like a, a company member buddy and a student who performs every week okay and that's yeah i just i like doing that i think it's a really mm-hmm. great way to like meet people and yeah. see like who, who's you know who's who's getting started <laughs> and like i don't know i i really love doing it um and uh i don't know i think 2018 uh you know I, a couple comedy things i want to do but more just focus on my personal life because i was kind of neglecting that when i was just trying to get as good at improv as I mm-hmm. could. I, I was very singularly focused on that. So that you were one of those guys that was like at the theater a lot, like teching stuff. Oh, I like, do. I, I still tech. Like, um, yeah, still tech a lot. I've got him. Yeah, still there sometimes, like five nights a week. That's. Um, that's uh, I don't want to say insane, but it could be. That feels too much to me. Hey, that's uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, the past two months i've had to take a bit of a step back for yeah. uh yeah semi-related reasons mm-hmm. um and just other my ugh, my personal life is like a just a tornado of poop right now so <laughs> i'm uh yeah I, yeah i'm really at the moment focusing on that and uh i don't know i mean i would love to yeah just love to be able to keep doing this for man i don't know another 12 years maybe something like that just 12 years and you're out 12 years and then fucking just like join a cult or As I say, like that's when you're growing up and hop on a rocket ship and fly to the moon i don't know go behind the comet i don't know i think yeah it's weird i i've never i've never really had a long-term goal in life i've always had sort of short-term goals and that's it's it's an interesting way to live mm-hmm. i don't know if i'd really recommend living that way right. because it does get you into trouble sometimes but i don't know i had someone like some kind of something on YouTube mm-hmm. I saw. They were like, "Don't, don't go for the long term goal. Like, you know, do little sustainable things that yeah. you, like you can do. Like, yeah, said, like they said that that was a much I mean, better way of living. Like, it's been a you know, it's been a mixed bag. I had um, I had a goal for sort of what I wanted to do with my life personally at the age of like twenty two, and uh, failed failed <laughs> in a way that like it's off the table now. Wow, like failed in a way that like. Yeah, it was like, oh, you're not going to achieve your goal. Um, and at that point, uh, that's when my focus really shifted to improv and mm-hmm. the goal became make a house team. And then like, then the the whole missing out by one spot happened. And then the goal very much became make a house team. And then I achieved that goal. And yeah, now I'm, uh, 
just sort of looking for a new goal, I guess, trying to figure out what I want. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I guess this is what a lot of people around 21 or 22 do, but uh, 28's a good a time as any to get started on adulthood, right? I'm 31, and I'm still on that <laughs> short-term goal. Like, well, then I guess, yeah. Stuff, so I'm, I'm sure that's where I'll be I in was, like, a couple years. In my head, like, I think, oh, Phil Hartman didn't make Saturday Night Live until he was, like, late 30s. Oh, I forgot about Phil Hartman. And now, like, I love him. <laughs> and now oh, that I'm 30, like, I'm turning 32 shortly, like... Like that idea is like, oh, wait, that's still fairly far. Like, yeah, really close. Oh, or, yeah. I but, find that interesting how you like you have to keep recalibrating. Yeah. I always like James Murphy of LCD Sound System mm-hmm. was always my example because he always said, like, I didn't do shit with my life until I was 26. <laughs> and then people started liking what I did. And I was like, OK, I got till 26. And now two years later. Eh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like uh, <laughs> The other one now is, you know, uh, Phil Hartman was pretty old when he got in the cast, but now you think of Leslie Jones. Yeah. Didn't hit SNL until like mid 40s. Yeah. So, like. And there's always uh, the actor Sidney Greenstreet. He took his first acting role in his 60s and won an Oscar for Maltese Falcon. Oh, wow. So, you yeah, you can always you can always have that number in the distance and keep reminding <laughs> yourself that everything's going to be okay. And you then know? at a certain point, you're just going to run out numbers. And then, or maybe you die and then it's over and then you don't have to worry about it anymore. <laughs> oh, that's that's not reassuring at all. Oh boy! All right, thanks, Drew. Oh yeah. Well, it's been a blast. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Philly Comedy Wrestling will take the stage and the ring at the Philly Improv Theater on January twenty sixth and twenty seventh at nine p.m. Tickets and more information are available at the new fitcomedy.com. You can also see Drew with Jill Roy on Wednesday nights through the end of February at Fit Comedy. My First Sketch is a Philly Sketch Fest production. You can find out more information at phillysketchfest.com or on Twitter at phlsketchfest. The music on this episode is by the band No-No, which you can check out at nonoband.bandcamp.com. Like my first sketch on Facebook and follow me on Twitter. This is Josh Hyam. Thanks for listening. Go see some comedy.